us, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better! Yeah, you did. There's 80 to the max. There's 80 to the max. Whack attacks away the snacks while the Clinton plays the sax. They're animaniacs. You used to watch animaniacs. Ladies and gentlemen, as you may have guessed, this is the Real Science Cast, where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name is Kenan Smith. We're the Warner Brothers. My name is Kenan Warner. My name is Sean Warner. I'm Borky the Pig. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, what do we do on this podcast? Well, Kenan, on this podcast, bi-weekly... We watch a movie, we rate the science, and we talk about the science in the movie. Excellent. Hey. That is that is very good. Porky Pig? Yes. That's... Did the authors... Wait, hold on. I need you to do Porky's voice. <laughs> yes? That's good enough. Is it, uh, is did, it good enough? The I authors, can't do it. Do the authors have any disclosures? We have some disclaimers. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> What's the first one? The first one... <laughs> the first one is that... Um... <laughs> <laughs> do you have the crook? What is this? I'm dying. I'm I'm dying of measles vaccine. Uh-oh. Um, we do have some disclaimers, Canon. Uh, one of those is that we are heavily analytical scientists, and we're going to pick apart some of the nitty gritty stuff mm-hmm. of the film that we watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can it can go on for a bit mm-hmm. at times, but that's why you love us. Is this show appropriate for small children? This show may not be appropriate for babies because there might be some poop words that come out of our We mouths. are going to say some bad words during this during this recording. Also, a lot of the movies we watch are rated R mm-hmm. because of, like, violence or something. For so rad. Yes, they're rated R for rad. So unless your kid's rad, then they shouldn't be watching They the shouldn't movie. be watching these movies. But if they are, they can listen to the podcast, Watch too. away. What movie do we watch? Okay, so this week we watched I Am Legend. Legends of the Fall. Nope. Uh, Nope, I, it, I am Legend. Kenan, you know, you do this, and I always wonder, did you watch the movie with <laughs> us? Legends of the Hidden Temple. That is a That's great a, television not show. Not a movie, though. Not a movie. The Silvers. Fucking. There it is. Back it up. I want you to make this reference. Let's hear it. Tell me what it is. Wait, the Silver Snakes. The, sh- the Temple of the Shrine of the Silver, shrine of the silver monkey. monkey. The Shrine of the That's Silver Monkey. Yeah. yeah. Wait, hold on. That's the three puzzle that no kid like uh, over the age of. Wait, that is the right. Together. That's the right show though, right? Legend yeah. of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, and then you yeah. had like the like the purple monkeys and like the purple parrots. Purple parrots. Yeah. The Listen, orange orange iguanas. Yeah. And, okay, like, so when in doubt, pick some alliteration because it's always got alliteration. Yeah. But no, but those teams didn't always. The, st- the stupid no, salamanders. The Travis, travesty tigers. I don't remember. This is dumb. Tenacious tigers? Uh, that's maybe, way better. Maybe it's like an adjective. <laughs> the travesty tigers? I don't know. The tragic tigers? The, tre- <laughs> the treacherous tigers. Speaking of tragic, uh, this movie's super sad. So if you haven't seen it, keep that in mind when you watch it. There's also some... Uh, I don't really want to... Somebody else want to say it? I really don't Yeah, don't plan it. to go to sleep happy after watching this film. Yeah, there's, there's a about scene... The dog? Oh. Talking about there's, Sam. There is a there's uh, there's puppy death. Uh, and it's very sad. I did cry in front of 
my two grown adult friends. Listen, no, no <laughs> joke. We actually fast forwarded through the scene where uh, Will Smith inevitably we has couldn't. to sacrifice his dog. I did not like it. I was very sad. Because we've already watched the movie before when it came out, and I didn't need to see it again because it was so sad. We couldn't handle it because we all have close interactions with dogs in one way or another, mm. I feel like. And uh, it's tough to watch, man. It's sad. This movie came out in 2007. Correct. Which is really funny because... <laughs> The way I was thinking about it, like, so we just did Reanimator, right? Yeah. And we did Andromeda Strain. Okay. And we've done some older classic movies, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, like, oh, we're doing, like, a recent movie. We're doing I Am Legend, and it's 11 years old. Yeah, this is an old movie, dude. <laughs> and I just, like, forgot because I watched this movie in theaters, and yeah. I just kind of forgot that I am I was in high school when it came out. Right. So, so, so this movie, I Am Legend, came out in 2007. It was based originally on uh, a novel called I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. There have been... Four iterations of a film adaptation of this movie. 1964, Last Man on Earth, which was starring Vincent Price as the head. Uh, 1971, The Omega Man, starring Charlton Heston, everyone's favorite. Charlton Heston? Yeah. Wow. Uh, And then (laughs) I Legend for 2007. (laughs) And then a mockbuster came out the same year that starred uh, Danny DeVito. Nope, it was something Damascus. Mar- no, wait, wait, wait. Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito is the lead. Yep, you're lying. I'm lying. Yeah, oh, was. okay. I believed you for a second. I'm like, man, that would be a mockbuster right there. I'm gonna look it up real quick so I don't sound like an idiot. Greg Kinnear. No, it's Mark Dacascos. Damascus and Dacascos are the exact. They're same not things. the same. He no, was, they're the same. The only movie I ever really remember that he was in was one called Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is an awesome French movie where he kills a bunch of people. That's all that really matters, I guess. Anyway, do we want to talk about this movie? Let's cut this bit. No, I'm keeping it. Yeah, let's cut it. So, Sean, I know you do this all the time, but we do the honors and take us into the plot of the film. Yes. Kenan, I will climb aboard. Doot, doot. Get in. Okay. All right. Yep. Yep. Ready to go. The movie starts with a news story. So, as the... Tickets, please. Tickets, please. I see you have podcast. Yeah, here, here you are. Oh, good. Great seat. Enjoy the meal card. All right. I, know. I hate you. <laughs> okay. Gotta be here all night, folks. <laughs> the movie begins with all of the production companies yeah. that make the movie. But for this movie, there's actually a voiceover of a news story happening in the background. So as soon as you hit play, yep. there's plot happening. But they're talking about like the weather. They're talking and about stuff sports. In the yeah, in the Shaquille O'Neal's yeah. retiring in 2010. 2010. Yep, yep. So it's basically it's in present day, and the movie opens with an interview with I forgot her name, the woman from Professor Trelawney, and she's junior. Oh, and holy shit! Hold on, uh, Kristen Wiig. Emma Thompson. Sure. And they are interviewing her because she has developed a cure for cancer. So, yep. this is very cool. There's a cure for cancer. They're interviewing her and they're asking about the clinical trials that have been done. And she says, this is a quote. She said, they ask, how many clinical trials have you done? She says, 10,009 clinical <laughs> trials. <laughs> which... I think what she meant is there are 10,009 participants of the clinical trials yeah, like yeah. together. It's it's a bit wrong yeah, because but, each clinical trial would have approximately between 50 and 200 people in it. That would have been a, a lot of people if there were 10,000 clinical trials. Yeah, and, and I mean like it would also a clinical cost, trial takes – it would cost an insane amount of money. Yep. A clinical trial like – 
depending on what you're looking at, normally takes about a year, right? I mean, you have recruiting, you have the actual, you know, conductance of the clinical trial, and then you have cleanup. It's a process. You would, 10,000 of those would take forever, and like Sean was about to mention, would be extremely expensive. Right, so we're going to assume, for the, like, sake of, you know, reality, that she met 10,009 patients. Yeah, 10,000 clinical trial patients. Right, and then the news anchor asks how many of the patients have been cured, and she says 10,009. So it's basically what they're saying is that we have a cure-all for cancer that everybody we've tested on has just worked. Which is bananas because, uh, I mean, at least 500 of those, it wouldn't have worked or they would have died from inflammation it's, or, it's, so, or something. It's also bonkers <laughs> because cancer is uh, like a classification of a ton of different diseases. Sure, yeah. So like point. breast cancer, it's... lung cancer, lymphoma, <laughs> brain cancer, they're all very different diseases. And right. in theory, you wouldn't use the same treatment. But what she says this treatment is, is it's a virus. Yep. Okay. In fact, she mentions it's a measles virus yes, that they use. Yes, she mentions it's a measles virus and they replace the genetic material with something that is cancer-fighting. She mentions a very base principle of gene therapy, which we've talked about a little bit in the past. But Ken and it's, I it's, both work on it. That's what we do. It's this idea that they've taken something that occurs in nature, quote-unquote, and then engineered it at a genetic level to be helpful rather than harmful. Yes. So she gives some allegory about a person getting in a car and like driving through a crowd of people and driving like an idiot and hurting a lot of people. But what they're doing is replacing the driver with a cop. So, like, now the car is being used for good. Basically, well, she even says this is being the the, uh, the highway of the body, right? You yeah, have, she does. Uh, like Osmosis Jones. Yes, like Osmosis Jones. Right. Is she uh, Osmosis Jones? She might. No, she's the... <laughs> she's Bill Murray. Yeah, she is Bill Murray. To where you make something normally harmful and make it safe. Yep. The bulk of the movie is Will Smith living by himself in this post-apocalyptic scenario. Just trying to survive. Right. And be- But before we talk about that, I think since they brought up the concept of using a measles virus mm-hmm. to treat cancer, I was going to ask you, Kenan, especially because you work on uh, gene therapy, is this like a feasible thing they could do? Are there any like real-world examples of sure. using viruses to treat cancer or using a measles virus to treat cancer? So as far as uh, viral viral therapy for cancer, right? This is sort of adjacent to what I do at work anyway because we have our, our lab works on a couple of what are known as oncolytic viruses, meaning that they specifically target cancer cells. So onco is a prefix typically used when referring to cancer and lytic being lice, as in destroy those cells. Oh. So the idea is that these viruses oh, wow. destroy target cells that are cancerous. Anyway, the one that we work on specifically in my lab is something called LU3, and this is one that's actually being currently researched in order to try and develop a, an oncolytic viral therapy. So it's in the early stages, it's not in the, early in stages. the clinical trials. True. Yeah. But we actually have, in the U.S. and in Europe and in Australia a approved oncolytic viral therapy uh, that goes by the name uh, Telimogene Laharparavec. Wait, That's... we have approved oncolytic viral therapy? Yeah, we actually, in 2015, the FDA approved a uh, uh, herpes simplex virus type 1 treatment for inoperable melanoma. Uh, wow, and then in 2000... I did not know that. That's really? very yeah. interesting. In, in 2016, Europe and Australia approved it as well. So we have one that's actually approved by the FDA for use in the U.S., um, so there is a precedent for this sort of treatment. There is, yeah, yeah. And and one of the things that we talked about in the movie is this idea that they're using something as uh, that's a virus that's already harmful to humans. So wouldn't it make more sense to use something that's not, but that happens to target cancer cells? But it's not entirely uncommon for us to take a virus 
that's normally harmful in people basically remove its ability to cause major damage in humans and then try and hijack its ability to invade cells so that we can kill things that we don't want or we can deliver targets to specific cells in order to fix those cells and what they do. Gut the genetic material and add in the genetic material that you mm-hmm. want to now deliver sure. to these cells. Or even take parts of that virus life cycle and prevent them from occurring in order to you know not cause damage or something like that. So, that, so it doesn't go through the same kind of thing it would if it were the wild type or the virus that you find in the, in the natural environment. Cool. What's what's the most common thing that you would that you would add to these therapeutic viruses in order to combat cancer cells? So it really depends. Um, there are viruses that are oncolytic naturally that, through their mere existence or what they do, are able to kill cancer cells. <clears throat> the example that I gave earlier, uh, Lu three, which is a part of a virus, much like what we work on in the lab, uh, actually has a specific protein that's encoded by that virus naturally that's thought to be responsible for killing cancer cells. Now that said, you can also use viruses that are able to specifically target cancer cells in that that they're able to infect them to deliver instructions in order to help kill cancer cells. Um, So like you could use, I don't know, put in DNA instructions that when red and the proteins are produced are able to say upregulate immune cells to the target area so that your immune system is able to take care of the cancer cells in that in that regard okay yeah and like i think one of the main theories is that since cancer cells are essentially diseased cells like they have irregular cell processes going on sometimes there are viruses that would not really be very serious or not be able to like fully infect a normal cell but because cancer cells have a messed up cell cycle messed up defense mechanisms the virus can now infect them and kill them right. yeah. so that's yeah. that's one of the principles also and right. i feel like it's important to say in case the audience didn't know is that it cancerous cells themselves are you know the ones that form tumors in people that have cancer they're just kind sure. of cells that are just growing uncontrollably and unnaturally mm-hmm. to produce the, the tumors themselves sure. and uh, and that's what you're targeting with these uh, with these therapeutic viruses exactly right. so for the context of the movie this actually does sound like a very good idea sure and, and it's a not great entirely treatment. infeasible yeah it's not infeasible at all like people are legitimately working on using viruses to kill cancer yep. so that, that's an actual thing yeah um, a success rate of 100% that is <laughs> that's infeasible, a little ridiculous but, but I would say impossible right <laughs> so the reason they're setting this up in the movie is that that everything after this treatment was invented is chaotic, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Shit shit hits the fan. It does. Actually, uh, all hell breaks loose very early in this movie. It's not about halfway like it normally is for us. It's about immediately. In fact, after we get this flashback where, or this this TV interview that's telling us what's happened, we immediately cut to Will Smith on his own. It tells us it's three years later with some script on the front of the screen. Um, and he's just trying to get by. Does, it, does it really have yeah, subscript? Yeah, it does. Yeah, there's subscript that say it was three years later. <laughs> the whole time I was you like, I wonder how long... out of our ass? Literally the whole time I was like, I wonder how long it's been. It's, <laughs> it's got to have been... like in big... dum dum, Just like big I just did it. I just like wasn't paying attention for that part. The whole time, all these cues, I was like, okay, so his dog's bigger. Like he's growing taller. There's all these things like how... Dogs grow to the approximate... You were like under a... A very strict detective investigation this entire time that we already knew the answer. I love that you were like under your own duress for the entire movie. And I was just... literally trying to piece together how long it had been since this scenario. <laughs> three right. years, Sean. Three years. Okay. Well, so they cut to Will Smith. Kenneth, sorry, continue. You were telling us about Will Smith. No, you're good. Will Smith is basically doing his thing, roaming through the streets of New York. Which are look like they've been slowly like taken back by nature. They're overgrown. 
Probably to, like, a degree that isn't quite what it should be in some cases, and yes, in others. Like, there's no moss on the buildings you would think that there would be, and just, like, I don't know, weird things like that. I don't, it's it's very Hollywood-like nature took over. Will Smith is driving around with his dog and his big red Mustang hunting deer, which, as we see in the movie, is the least effective way to hunt deer because he spends maybe, like, a five-minute chase scene just sort of driving around them and not shooting them or not hitting them with his car. After that, we see Will Smith walking by his lonesome through a field. He is tracking some more deer. Uh, While he is hunting this deer, he's about to take a shot, and the deer is blindsided by a female lion roaming the streets of New York. (laughs) Which, like, immediately Pace was like, well, that's stupid. There are no lions in New York. (laughs) (laughs) You're correct. You're You're very right. There aren't. It was just funny because, like, Presumably, they must be there from a zoo or something. You right? don't know that. I'm. Th- that's the only feasible reason there would be full-grown. And that's why. Of I'm, that's why I'm saying it's infeasible. But, and, and also, somehow the lions let themselves out of the zoo. I guess. Yeah, they were just like, "Oh, what's this?" Maybe Will did with all those keys. <laughs> probably did. Yeah, yeah. He has a thousand keys. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that it. later. He has a million keys. Will Smith starts off, tells us that he's a pretty bad hunter, um, and then after that. There's just sort of a series of individual scenes where Will Smith goes home and we are able to see, like, a day in the life of the last man on Earth killing zombie vampires. Yeah, Yeah. so the first half of the movie is just Will Smith's day-to-day life. So it's him and his dog and presumably his dog Sam. Don't name it. Mantha. And presumably there's no one else who is not affected by this killer virus, which we didn't talk about the killer virus yet, but we will in a second. Um, But basically everybody's dead or infected, and Will is just by himself. It's his day-to-day life interspersed with flashbacks of yeah. how he got to this point. We see that he like has lots of food stocked up in his kitchens. He has three generators that he uses in order, uses in order to power his house. He has gas-powered generators. Gas-powered generators, which we can talk about how maybe he gets his gas. Right. Like He's got a ton of supplies of like food, canned yeah. food, obviously. Like, he also has running water, stuff. which we thought was pretty interesting yes. as well. He has running water. So the electricity, it was like, okay, he's got generators. That yeah. covers that. He has running water, which I we were talking about this. I don't really have all the answers. Like sure. I don't know a lot about city planning necessarily. Well, so I know that they're because they're in New York, like there are regulations that specifically say that you have to treat water in different ways like buildings have to have their own water systems in different ways depending how large they are and we found some information on the fact that like buildings over six stories have to have their own water towers those water towers sit at the top and that creates water pressure to the people inside the building but you use electric pumps in order to get the water from the basement where the water is fed in from water treatment plants and things like that up to the top of the building so Will Smith has water power somehow yeah yeah like he he's maybe a, he's filling it up he's in an individual like housing unit basically yeah. he's not in like a large building but somehow he's getting water maybe it rains enough to where like he doesn't use all that much water right they don't talk about like the potability of the water like whether sure. or not it's drinkable or safe to drink but you don't really just see him they, they he's just not just slugging kind of water out of the tap they just yeah. kind of avoid it yeah Though he does need water, though. Sure. And it's not made explicitly clear as to how he gets drinkable water. I think it's one of those things that it would be more complicated for the movie and kind of menial for the movie to explain. Yeah, it wouldn't be that entertaining. to believe. Right. So he's preparing food. You see him eating canned food. He's talking with his dog because he's been by himself for three years and he's really close with his dog. And then there's a scene where... um, It's nighttime. He's giving the dog a bath. He's giving the dog a bath. They're listening to some... Bob Bob Marley. Marley. Yes, listen to Bob Marley. Baby, don't worry about a thing. 
It's all going to be all right, guys. It's every little thing. No, no, no. It's all good. <laughs> Just take some time. Just like the song. In the middle, in the middle. Go ahead. Taking a bath. No. Oh. So anyway, they're taking a bath. <laughs> he's bathing his pup. Uh, and then Will Smith has an episode where he's kind of like flashing back. He's thinking about all, like, you know, the stuff that may have happened to him. We don't see any of that yet, but you see him just like stare off in the distance and you hear a woman screaming or something. The dog snaps him out of it, right? So we see a little bit of like Will Smith's trauma going on. Yeah, he has some psychological trauma from the events that have occurred. His watch has gone off. He knows he has to shut down the house. So while Bob Molly is still playing, we see him shutting all these giant shutter doors. And then he and the dog fall asleep in the tub. With a giant gun. With a big gun in his arms. And then he has bad dreams. He then goes into a flashback. And in the movie, there's a series of flashbacks, basically like three interspersed throughout his day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. And the way we're going to cover it now for the sake of the podcast, is we're just going to go over all the flashbacks right now because it'll be a little less confusing for everybody. We're not I, hopping back and forth. Right, right we're not going to jump back and forth. So, Pace, why don't you take us off on the flashback? Take us through a journey through yeah. time, Pace. Yeah, journey through time. So, we... we uh, that was magical. Thank you. We, uh, we go on Will Smith and his family, right? His wife and his kid, and they are presumably in this uh, chaotic situation mm-hmm. in New York City where Still in New York. Sh- shit is hitting the fan yep. at this point. All hell is currently breaking. Yes, yeah, so we're in the process. Right. Um, and so they're basically working on evacuating the city, right? The city is under military, essentially military control. They're, they're evacuating. And they get to the point to where, uh, as they're just driving through the city in their car, mm-hmm. one of the... Uh, supposedly infected individuals just literally body slams Ooh. them uh, in their car as they're driving, yeah. and that's when they realize uh, we need to we need to leave. Yeah, that's they, a trigger that like here. in that scene wakes Will Smith up from his, his sleepy time. Yeah. yeah, but before they get body slammed by this vampire zombie, mm-hmm. they then basically are talking about you know how is this how is this virus spreading right? How is the right. whatever is affecting uh, the civilians? How's it spreading? So then she asks if uh, if it's airborne mm-hmm. and how fast is it spreading? And, and he kind of says, it's like, oh, we don't know yeah. at this point. I think um, at this point, Sean said, no, it's emergency, I think is what you had said. Ha ha ha, yes, I did. I did say joke. that. It was a very bad joke. And right. they're both just garbage products. Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't buy, they, don't, please don't. Just eat oranges if you really want vitamin C. Yeah, just eat. <laughs> You'll actually just piss it all out. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so they're having this discussion, uh, and eventually we get to the point where they're at the bridge, and uh, this is basically like a screening process yeah, for yeah. which humans are able to leave New York City, right. and which have to stay behind to succumb to their fate. Headed by the U.S. military. Headed by the U.S. military. This is a, this is a full-on uh, full-on military operation, and the way that they're distinguishing which humans are able to leave and which ones have to stay behind is through kind of a, a retina scan yep. device. Like where, an iPad with a scanner on it. Right. This is helpful in that it's fast and easily accessible yeah. to, to look at all the humans that are trying to leave the city. And and we can assume that maybe they're looking for like, you know, symptoms such as pupil dilation, sure, uh, things yeah. that there's things that might be different just from being able to quickly look at the eye. We see one woman who's like clearly infected and her eyes are blue. Her eyes are so bleeding. Like maybe there's something to do with pigmentation or like sure. increased capillary, blood flow, capillary bursting. Problem. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's it's knows. it's it's important to say that 
uh, just doing a quick a quick eye a scan of a person's eye. It's not a foolproof way of distinguishing right. p- things that are happening. Like for example, your your pupil can dilate for a ton of reasons. Sure, yeah. uh, like the like fight the- or flight response whenever you're scared or nervous or stressed, and you're probably all of these things uh, during this situation in this movie. Yeah, so, or like maybe Will Smith took some chunky rips right before he got into the car. What's and a, what's he's a just rip? Blasted. Oh, I meant like he smoked a lot of weed cigarettes. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, uh, weed, weed cigarettes. Right. Which I don't think was likely because our boy is in the military. No, That's probably, find this probably not. Weed cigarettes. Yeah, sorry, um, I want a cigarette. And so, at this point... Uh, jazz cigarettes. He and his wife and his child get to the front of the line, and uh, his wife fails the fails the screening. So, Will Smith and his daughter are good to go, right? They, uh, they pass the test. His wife does not... But Will Smith, being a high-ranking military member, mm-hmm. is able to, you know... Scan her again. Yeah, scan, scan her again, again. And, she, hey! and she passes somehow, which in the moment shows the inconsistency of this of this yeah, eye scanning test. Yeah, how useful the eye scanning is. Uh, at this point, we see Will Smith's um, son and... Daughter. Child. Daughter. Uh, daughter fly away in the helicopter... Uh, he takes the dog with him. Yeah. Very important. But the dog is a puppy right now. A little mm. pup, pup. Little Sam. Baby Sam. Little baby, baby pup pup. And unfortunately, the next flashback scene that we see is... This is like very, very strict quarantine. They are not messing around here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, the U.S. government uses fighter jets to destroy the bridges that are connecting... The the two, the islands that I don't fucking know New York geography. No, no, dude. come on, let's no, hear it. They're yeah. using bridges that connect two bodies of land over a body of land. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's fucking <laughs> ha- I was trying to be like, like, oh, is it like one kind of like is like Brooklyn to uh, it's a, it's to, a Mar- Brooklyn, to Manhattan? It's probably the Brooklyn, it's the Brooklyn Bridge, bridge yeah. and the Little Brooklyn Bridge. It was the two of them that it's that are there. Yeah, this is why I don't. This is why bit. I don't do this. No, I understand. Okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds real. Either way, they blow them up, which. Seems unlikely in real life. I mean, I don't know, dude. The, this, the, the, the degree of it, which this... Uh, it does explain why they're taking everyone out in a helicopter. You'd think they would just barricade the yeah. bridge, but... Well, in the scene we get immediately after this, and granted, these flashbacks are happening, like, way later in the film, but we find out that uh, it's likely that his daughter and his wife have died because right after they blow up the bridges, we can assume it's reactionary, because on the other dock, we see a bunch of... Zombie vampires, z- vampires. I thought it was just Zom- people mobbing. Because no, because they were like cl- like leaping onto this helicopter. Onto the helicopter. No, I thought they were trying to escape because maybe they just moved the too. bridge and they now can't leave. I just thought it was people rioting because they're like, "You left me here to die." Oh my yeah. To but either way, they 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 knock this uh, this helicopter off kilter and it slams into the helicopter containing his kids. His, kid, his kid and wife. Kid and his wife. wife and kid. His son, child, daughter. His son, child, daughter. To, to Willow as. And so now we know that Will Smith is truly alone. But yeah. so so those are all the flashbacks, and they sort of set up, like, there, there's a lot of, like, stuff that you figure out as the movie's going on. Like, presumably, you know everybody's, like, either dead or infected or something. Right. But so this just sort of, the flashbacks sort of set up, like, yes, it's a virus, and it presumably it spread quickly chaos happened quickly is due yeah. to this virus that they use to treat cancer right is now something has gone wrong and they do not address what has gone wrong at all which is kind of a good move right because yeah. the whole movie is just supposed to be will smith alone right. coping with the aftermath right so either way that first initial zombie slam into the window is what wakes will smith up from his sleepy time he fell asleep in the uh, tub 
and is suddenly in his bed. And we just kind of went, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. whatever. I guess. He moved at some point. Sam, Sam picked him up and yeah, carried him to the bed. Yeah, the dog picked him up and moved him. But uh, at this point, the movie then takes us through basically like a quick montage on what Will Smith does during his day. So we've had our first flashback. Uh, we see Will Smith all oiled up for some reason. I guess he puts baby oil in the morning. I mean, well, he wants his skin to be nice and soft. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he's doing pull-ups so that they can do a shot of Will Smith with the shirt off. Uh, he and his dog run on a treadmill together, which, which is, is adorable. Adorable, and only further cemented my sadness later in the movie. Yep. He, this dog is is very adorable. It's a very good dog. <laughs> it's a very yeah. good dog. But the really important thing is, is that at some point in Will Smith's day, he goes downstairs into his basement. He passes through a special room, and in this special room, he has a very special, special light. Which we call a, a science, science light. light. Because blue it, science light. For whatever fucking reason, when he goes downstairs, there's this entire room that is just bathed in blue light. Because everything scientific related, everything science related, has to blue. be with a blue light. Well, we all live in tanning beds in our labs. That's true. Our labs That's why we're all incredibly huge tanning, tanning beds. This yes. is also probably like the fourth or fifth movie, maybe even the sixth movie that we've done on the podcast where there has been a science light. There's been like a blue room. light indicating science yeah, is like, about to oh, happen. this is a science room. So he passed through the blue light, starts putting on a lab coat because science is about to happen. Yep. There's a blue light. And Pace actually pointed out later on when we were watching it that his lab coat says virologist on it. So this is when we see... I guess if you were paying hyper attention to the movie, which could jump base. Thanks. Uh, the man's a virologist. Yep. So, He's yeah. ready to go. He's ready to study this this problem, this He's virus. So we, at this point, we know that Will Smith is a virologist uh, associated with the U.S. military. Right. And is, for whatever reason, we find out, immune to the virus. He goes into the lab. And he turns on his live journal. Yep. And he starts... He <laughs> starts streaming. Yeah. He starts streaming. He starts basically... He goes live on Twitch. Yes. He starts recording... You know, like a lab notebook, yeah. just without having to write down. Yeah, and which sounds great. Which sounds yeah. really great. I don't know why I don't do that. Right. Um, and he's starts talking about trying different compounds on mice. So he or rats. He pulls off like a large. They're pretty sheet. big. I think they're, they're, rats, they're rats. Actually, yeah, they're, yeah. Rats. they're rats. He pulls off like a large sheet that's covering a bunch of cages. Yep. And there's a bunch of angry vampiric looking like rats that are just smashing against the walls of their cages. Are we calling them vampires? Is that what we're doing? Are we going to call them vampires or zombies? What do we call them? Zampires? No. Is it with zampires or zombies? No, no, zompire. Zompires? It gives each... It gives each entity equal contribution to the word. To the combined okay, word. Okay, zompires. Okay, zompires. Alright, so there are these zompire rats. And Rompires. They're very angry. <laughs> Really? Rompires? Ratpires? <laughs> no, that's 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 like a rat fire. We're still going to use Zompire. They're Zompire rats, yep. and of course, to show how aggressive they are, they're like ramming their faces against the wall of the cage. Yeah. So much to the point that you see like cracks forming in yeah, the cage. Yeah, one of them cracks immediately. Which like... You'd think it'd be a problem. You'd think that if the rats are doing this all the time... Then the cages, some of them would all have would break, just be broken. Yeah. yeah, eventually, right? Will Which Smith like, would have been at some point consumed by angry rompires. Yeah, like you'd think the first time he put a rat in the cage, he would have been like, "Oh, I need a better cage. I probably need to duct tape <laughs> that. This yeah. one's breaking." Right. So, but there is one rat in a cage 
who does not have does not have the hyper aggressive yeah. behavior has like pigmentation returning to its skin. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, it's it's compound six. He mentioned something about how like the eyes are no longer dilated, like they're reactive to light. Yeah, and you can see there's cages full of anger rats, cages full of dead rats, <laughs> and then one cage with a slightly more docile rat. And anger rats, dead rats, cool rat. Yeah, cool rat. It's just a chill rat. It's a chill rat. And the whole time he's talking about, like, compound, blah, 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 uh, patients dead, like, other patients, no effect. Um, and it becomes pretty clear that he is testing some sort of cure for yep. this yep. Like, he's researching virus. Cure. He's researching it. Will looks at the chill rat, and he concludes that he now needs a human test subject. Right. Because, obviously, he's seeing some symptom improvement in this rat. Um, then we get a little piece of Will's everyday life. So he goes out, he, you see him open a closet that he has in his house that's got about, uh, what, a million keys, you would say? Yeah, yeah, actually, this is, this is my favorite closet or favorite piece, like, set piece in this movie, because there's just keys fucking everywhere. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, obviously he would have just been collecting cars, because nobody else is using them, right? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know where he found the keys, but we see later that he's, like, raiding houses and stuff like that. But he has keys, but the very important thing that he has in here, one, is a gun, so he can protect himself. Yep. He also has a DVD copy of Goodfellas. Which is very important. Very important. It's just sitting in a special place inside of this closet. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we find out that... so And Will grabs the copy of Goodfellas yep. and leaves the house. And he Packs leaves, up, ready to go for the day. And he leaves Sam. He's like, you stay here. I'm going alone. I'll be back later. Right. We then see him at a blockbuster, basically. Well, wait. Do you mean like a red, red box? box? Yeah, but it was like a big building for a red box. Yeah. So. Oh, like a like a family video. So, Kenan, I want oh, you to yeah. I want you to think back, like when you were a kid. Right. You know, there was this place that people would go to get hard copies of movies. Oh, uh, like Netflix. Yeah, but like in you know what a DVD is? Yeah, you get them from Netflix. I remember that we used to do no, that. No, 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 wait, no, no, no. So, so, be, so before that, okay, there was a store called Blockbuster. Red bo- uh, what? Yeah. So before Redbox, okay, Blockbuster. Blockbuster. And they used to have a bunch of movies. So you're saying Will Smith? It's a building. Jesus Christ! So help me with DVDs okay. in it. Yes, Kevin. but like a whole building dedicated. A uh, digital video and disc. Right. So you you check them out. Yeah. Okay. Like so a library. Let's assume a video your, library. Kenan, for your sake, we'll assume that it's a fictional place that exists in the universe a, of this. Book. Sure. Sure. It's just a big red box. I get it. Yeah. Makes sense. It holds a lot more. It's movies. a walk-in red box. All right. Yeah. 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 I got yes. you. So Will is in there. He yeah. has his copy of Goodfellas. And we see in this giant red box, Kenan, yep. that there are mannequins dressed in clothing, just kind of positioned like they're posed throughout the store. Well, even on the outside, because as he's walking into this red box, but it's a whole building, he actually <laughs> says to the people beside him, like, oh, hey, Fred, how you doing? Like, he's literally having a conversation yeah. with these people. Yeah. So yeah. Fred's important. We see Fred later in the movie. Yes, Fred comes back. So he's talking to mannequins. He's in the store, and his mannerisms are like he's in a normal video store with right. other people buying right. videos, stuff like that. He's trying to replicate social situations for yeah. himself. So this is very much like an indication of how like he's been isolated for right. so long and he's yeah. trying to like do whatever he can to sort of have this quasi-social interaction. Right. Yeah. And, and at a pace like you're the psychologist in our group, so I yeah. just wanted to As a psychologist. As a psychologist psychi- psychi- psychologist or psychologist. He's the psychologist. Let me make one thing perfectly clear. To us or the listeners? To both. Oh, okay. What's up? 
I'm definitely not a psychologist, nor am I a neurologist, nor am I a psychiatrist. All right. I am a neuroscientist. Okay. These are actually different things. Oh. Uh, different types of scientific jobs that do different things. They're I'm all brain trying... boys, but they all do different stuff. Right, right. And some of us have MDs, uh, and some of us have PhDs. But anyway, we're getting off topic. That's fair. Some of us have In this situation... <laughs> Either. In Either. this situation, the primary, the primary thing that I related this to in my brain was a study that I recalled... To where they took uh, a group of like 10 to 15 humans and they blindfolded them for four days. Okay. Whoa. And within. That's a long time. It's it's 96 hours is a long time. And within the first day, almost 80% of these humans started having like visual hallucinations of things. Sometimes it was just like. Sometimes it was just like light or colors or shapes, but a lot of time it was like things more corporeal, like faces, uh, people they knew. I don't want to take you too off topic, but, but that reminds me of like. A weird visual study that had also been done a while back where they gave people glasses that flipped your vision, like literally flipped it upside down. Uh. And after a couple of days, people started seeing it restored back to normal. But if they remove those glasses yeah, after the period of study, everything was flipped again until they adjusted. It shows the plasticity yeah. or flexibility of the visual system. Again, I don't want to derail you, but it's, it's fine. a weird thing. Uh, it is a weird thing. but it, So I, I thought of this because it's it showed like the brain's desperate need... <laughs> For simulation. Something to happen. Yeah, something yeah. to happen. And that's kind of what we see in Will Smith here, but just socially, right? Like, right. he's he's uh, kind of like you see in, like, with Tom Hanks in Castaway, with Wilson. <laughs> and the um, volleyball that he turns into a companion. Right. right. Uh, so he's, it's not funny, Kevin. You, no, it's very funny. <laughs> I mean, you, you're at, at that point, after... Th- after three years of seemingly no social interaction besides your dog, right? Like you sounds great. You're going to you're going to fill that void with something. In this case, he fills it with mannequins. Yep, who mm-hmm. he names and is even sexually attracted to. Yeah, we get this really weird scene where Will Smith is about to check. He puts Goodfellas back. Uh, he is fiddling with the counter or with the shelf where all the DVDs are, and looks over at a mannequin that is I don't know a cute mannequin <laughs> i guess and then like kind of looks at her and like smiles to himself like oh i should ask her out and then like catches himself and goes this is kind of weird and then grabs his dvd and walks out of the room but you can see the cogs turning in his head well, and he's like i'll do it tomorrow i'll ask her tomorrow exactly like right? he, so will smith does such a good job there's all these little subtleties yeah like yeah he really sells every aspect of the plot and we'll talk about that more in the ratings but i just wanted to wanted to say that like he looks like he's legitimately nervous about approaching this quote sexy mannequin right to talk to her he, he does a good job of selling somebody who is who as pace mentioned needs social interaction yeah needs Social stimulation. I mean, human. There are lots of really bad side effects of not getting regular social interaction. Sure. Both like mental depression, anxiety, things like that. Right. And also other like just physical things that happen to you as well. Right. Uh, well, I mean, we see like he's growing his own corn. He's talking to his dog. Like he's filling up on gas. We see that happen. Yeah. Also, hey, if you if you're in New York, let us know if gas is six dollars now, or if that's something they put into the movie. Yeah. In two thousand seven, <laughs> because we were like. Ah, that seems really high. I don't know. New York is like... I don't know. I mean, like, there's a lot of people. Pretty far north. We don't know anything about New York, so hit us up. But during this day-to-day, he sees a deer, uh, and he's tracking that deer again through the city. Sam runs after it. 
the deer ducks into a abandoned building. Well, they're all abandoned, I guess. A ducks, dark ducks into a dark building. Uh, and Will Smith is like, no, 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 Sam, no, 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 come back, blah, 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 blah. Sam runs off and we don't see him again for a short period while Will Smith walks through this building, basically just hyperventilating the whole time. And at this point, of course, Sean and Pace and I were all like gripped to our seats because this is the most tense point in the movie where my dude is walking around trying to find Sam and he eventually finds a pack of... Sorry, zompires. Zompires, thank you. Uh, a pack of zompires inside this bank Which, vault. Which, just so we're clear, these are the humans that were administered the, uh, the measles vaccine to cure cancer. Sure. Or uh, caught the disease. Or caught it or through caught it from or somebody it through else. Contact, yeah, these, right? these yeah. zompires. And, so and these this zompires, is the first time we see them, right? This is the first time yes. we see them. Yeah, it's the first time the we actually zompires. see them. Yeah, we yeah. hear them a bit the first night where he's sleeping, but we, yes. haven't, we haven't seen them yet. So they're all sitting around in a big circle, just sort of like panting. So presumably this is like where they nest or where they're staying. Yeah. It's really weird. Like they're yeah. just standing in the dark in a circle panting. Yeah. This is their Airbnb. It's <laughs> So either way, they find, uh, he eventually finds Sam. Uh, and Sam won't come out from under this desk and is panicking. Will Smith goes, oh, there's one right behind me. He doesn't say it, but that's basically what happens. <laughs> They're right behind me, aren't, aren't they? they? Oh, no. <laughs> Can you believe what the zombies are wearing today? These <laughs> shitty oh, vampires. They're right behind me, aren't they? And he turns around, and a big boy jumps after him. He fires a couple bullets, and then they start sprinting through the building. Sam makes it out on a side, uh, like a hole in the wall or something like that. Yeah. And then Will Smith ends up crashing through a window with one on his back, and a couple basically at his heels. Yeah. And this is the first time we see that they are sensitive to light as he falls out of the building and one of them basically just withers and dies. Yep. And we'll cover that a little bit later when we talk about the symptoms of the of the zompire. But the important thing is Will Smith is now found where he's going to get his test subject from. And he also says to Sam, because he's talked to his dog, he's like, you got to be more careful. Yep. I'm immune, but you can still get infected. Yep. So presumably, like, this is where we find out that if Sam gets, like, bitten or something, then he will turn into a zompire dog. Exactly. Um, yep. But you guys handle just... this next scene, because I'm going to go pee. Okay. Uh, oh, all right. Well. Well, so, Will Smith sets a trap. You, we're going, dude. All right. Go it. pee. Yeah, just pee, Kenan. Mr. Small Bladder. God. You know he's going to sing the entire time, too. He always talks to himself he when he's on the toilet. He always talks to himself while he pees. He's a weirdo. This is going on the podcast. He's not so, going to catch this. Will Smith sets a trap for his test subject. Basically like a, a long cord that gets triggered and then hooks one of the zombies, uh, the zompires, yeah. uh, and then like hangs it in the air using a pulley system with like a car that like like shoots yeah. it up. Like the and classic he, snare, right? Yeah, the like classic snare. But he's got like a black sheet to protect the, the zompire from the, mm-hmm. the UV light from the sun. So he uses his own blood as bait uh, because apparently they like they smell blood or are attracted to the scent of blood or something. Right, they're like um, sharks. Right, they're like sharks. These zom zompire sharks. Right, zomparks. Um, That's good. And so uh, he successfully traps one, uh, but right as he traps this one who went for his blood, he notices another male zompire peek out of the hole of which yeah, he yeah. set the trap. And this male zompire appears to have, like, recognized that one of its uh, fellow compatriots, probably, like, a like a mate, like a romantic mate, sure. uh, was just captured. And, like, right. recognizes this and, like, sticks his head out and you can see his, like, face start to get burned by the sun. He, like, doesn't care. Then he goes back into the darkness. And Will Smith does a good job of, like, it cuts to him and you see him, huh. 
Yeah, you know, they kind of like acknowledge look the, on his face. The, this is like, like ab- abnormal behavior for the zompires. Right, and we see this guy again, so I feel like we should give him a name, like like Big Daddy Zompire. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. Big Daddy Big Daddy Zompire, or like Zomp Daddy. Zomp Daddy's pretty good too. I'll take that. Which Papa Zomp. Zomp. Papa Zomp. Better ingredients, better <laughs> zompires. <laughs> Papa Zomp. <laughs> All right, he's Papa Zomp now. So Papa Zom sticks his head out, and Will Smith is like, hmm, I didn't order a pizza. <laughs> so Will Smith takes the zompire that he caught back to his laboratory. Brenda. Is her name Brenda? Yeah, we're going to call her Brenda. So we, wait, wait, wait. We have Zomp Daddy and Brenda? <laughs> no, no, no. What is it? It was, a, it was Papa Zom. Papa Zom. Papa Zom. Papa Zom. Yeah, I had to cut out like 15 minutes of pizza jokes. <laughs> Papa Zomp and Brenda. So he takes Brenda back to his lab. Yep. And she is, like, uh, now exhibiting all these classical symptoms of zompires. Right. Which include heavily increased heart rate. Yep. About 200 beats per minute. Which is insane. Yes. Um, She should have turned into the Hulk a long time ago. Yep. Pupils fully dilated. Yep. uh, Which is basically, like, a, a constant state of fight or flight response sure or it could um, also help them see in the dark sure that too because they don't come out during the day right which we may or may not have said and the pupils are non-reactive to light and their temp- body temperature is about 106 degrees which, which is really really high it's hot they, right. they also have an extremely fast respiration so they just are panting which makes sense because their heart rate's 200 yep. beats a minute yeah yep. And, and, and not before we go away for, away from it, I think I don't remember what's the the body temperature that if you reach it you start incurring brain damage. In it's, a, it's about one hundred and seven degrees, so it's yeah. They're on the so that, they're like on the right fence on here. Border, they're on yeah. the fence. Yeah, they should have like taken a taken an ibuprofen and gone and summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, okay. you, you would if your <laughs> your temperature is one hundred six, you, you need to go to the emergency. Be guzzling like ibuprofen. You might, on your way to you the might be a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> if your body temperature no, is hundred and six degrees, <laughs> but oh, at this point, he also starts talking about how he's going to use like like a serum to cure these vampires, and right. he, sometimes he calls them like compound number six. Sometimes he calls it a serum. Yeah, he uses them interchangeably. And uh, Sean made a point that like serum has oft been used in Hollywood to kind of indicate. Any sort of thing, biological being used fluid, as a cure, like a medical cocktail. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's important for the listeners to know that serum is a real thing. It is that we deal with in the medical field. This is any liquid components from blood after the coagulated components have separated. Have separated. So this, right. it's, it's this amber colored fluid that you get left over with. And it's um, uh, it's I mean it's, it's like going to contain like a lot of the antibodies, sure. uh, smaller proteins, el- electrolytes. And what kind of means by coagulated? If you're not familiar with the term, it just means like the blood clots, and then you separate the stuff that didn't clot. Sure, I right. mean like this is a little gross, but a time that you may have been uh, you may see serum is that when a scab is forming on your skin. Typically, that liquid, it's still wet, right, as that's forming. That is actually serum. Right. It, it kind of makes sense in the way it's portrayed in the film because presumably you'd fight off this this virus probably with it, with an antibody, right? Sure. Yeah, some aspect um, of, your, of your immune system. Right. And so, which, which would be in the serum. Yeah. Right? That's fine. But then he also says, like, compound number six. So yeah, like, it was so a little confusing. A, because, like, whenever you say compound in, like, the, bio, the field of biology and... Uh, 
like pharmacotherapy, uh, you think like a small compound, like a synthetically generated compound or a drug, another word for a drug sure. yeah. that, that would target a particular site that is, that would, that would fix whatever your ailment is. Right. Yeah. And, but I mean, for the purposes of the movie, he does this very Hollywood thing of like, I haven't been able to transfer my immunity to the, to these umpires. And we have this like brief discussion where we talk about like, oh, if he's saying serum, maybe he means anti-serum, which is like a polyclonal treatment. No, sorry, my bad. Multiple antibodies against a specific target that you would give to a person in order to neutralize that target if they're infected. It used to be that if you get rabies, you give somebody polyclonal serum uh, in order to uh, attack the infection the minute you get it. So you give them a bunch of antibodies against rabies in order to stop it. Um, we also talked about how, like, if it is a compound, like Pace mentioned, he doesn't have a massive lab in which he could generate a lot of this compound all right. at once. And humans need a bunch of this. Yeah, and a lot of times you're also going to need, like, different chemical reagents that we can ordinarily purchase from, like, a distributor or something. Right. But it's not like you can buy them at the grocery well, store. Yeah, to, and it's not like you can call Sigma anymore. Yeah, to right. be To be fair... New York is a pretty huge biotech hub. Yeah, yeah I guess he could have like it, broken into a biotech. Most building. of the buildings are swarming with zombies. So yeah, well, like, right. I, I, yeah, and you know some of the he some of those buildings might have been infested with zombies, but he. I mean, for all we know, he could have gotten lucky and found a lot of you know useful laboratory he's got, supplies. Like, bottles of like sure. sucrose. From I'm not saying. That. <laughs> well, it, it makes it seem that way. There's a whole he, lot of sodium chloride. Yeah. I mean, he's working with at least six plus different compounds here yeah. you'd have to think that he's like changing these in some way to create to like trial and error different types sure. of you know what i realized that's like a hundred percent he's using some sort of synthetic thing and it's not serum uh it's it's purple yeah that's a good point <laughs> yeah it's purple, yeah, it's purple. <laughs> he's injecting purple liquids into purple. everything yeah. serum would not be purple it'd yeah. be like a kind of it'd be uh, amber a yellowish like yeah just like uh -huh. his energy Fuck, you're fired from the podcast <laughs> forever. I want you to go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Uh, that was a good one. Either way, no, it wasn't. Either way, we have to give the movie a... Stop it. We have to give the movie a pass on this because he's using what he's calling serum, but it's just something that he's adapted from his immune system yep. in order to try and cure the zombies. Yep. Okay, so he's trying to treat the zombie. Zompire, sorry. He has the zompire anesthetized. That's very important. So it's restrained with, like, bed restraints, mm -hmm. and he says that he has to use six times the normal dose to anesthetize right. the Zompire. He uses the treatment of this drug, right? and the Zompire just, like, starts... The breathing slows, the breathing slows, slows temperature comes down. starts getting better, yeah. and then the Zompire... You mean as he administers compound number six? Is it number six? He yes. says, like, a bunch of... I numbers. think it's compound number six. Whatever. We'll call it number six. Either way, good job. He administers it, and then the zompire convulses. Yep. And the heart rate monitor goes, which we all Flat know lines. means, oh, the this zompire is dead. dead. Yep. Then, this is probably the most, like, buck wild, buck wild crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. He literally just, like, casually grabs Size. a syringe. Yeah. And just, like, injects it into the leg, and the zombie just wakes up. I wrote just, in my notes that it's 99 bananas, but he probably didn't just, like, directly inject that into her. I'm sure, I mean, Brenda might, are, might have... Are you talking about the 99-proof banana-flavored liqueur? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna give that a 0 out of 10. Okay. Right. Okay. Either way, he manages to wake this zombie up from the brink of death. Sorry. Zampire up from zampire. death. Uh, and then... 
pushes her into basically a closet for a good like remaining three-fourths of the movie after this point he then uh updates his video live journal uh mentioning that uh so far all of his tests have been unsuccessful he mentions the test he just performed uh he also mentions the behavioral difference of uh papa zamp what was it what we call him Papa Zomp. Uh, Papa Zomp uh, sticking his head out and exposing himself to sunlight. Uh, and then it sounds like Will Smith interprets this as, uh, and he says, all typical human be- behavior is entirely absent. So we took this to mean that Will Smith thinks that the uh, Papa Zomp is no longer protecting himself from the sunlight in order to get to Will Smith, but is implied to the viewer that maybe there's something else going on in Papa Zomp's head. And I think Will actually does, like, a rationalization where he says, like, it could be, like, decreased food scare, like, food scarcity sure. yeah. is motivating him to take, like, riskier, like, you know, decisions yeah. for trying to find something to eat. Um, which presumably they're eating humans. Like, that doesn't really get yeah. addressed, but... There's no corpses in the city, like... The there's... thing is, like, which they also... Which they really don't address <laughs> about these. If they're eating humans, and Will's the only human left, they're either, like, eating each other, or they're not eating. Well, right? they, they have to be hunting animals. Like, yeah, or they could you'd be have, hunting You'd have to assume that, like, they, have, they leave the city at night, or they're hunting animals within the city, well, and that's what they're feeding on. Bear in mind, they found the, the dead deer inside the building exactly. that was presumably killed by one of the zompires. Right. So they're probably eating this. So Will Smith is currently unable to cure the disease, uh, but that night he has a wonderful night's sleep, and he wakes up the next morning, and while he's driving his car around, he notices his buddy Fred, who used to be at the Red Box but a big building, uh, standing over by Grand Central Station. Yep. And he's never been there before because Will Smith is the only person who would move a mannequin around. Yeah. Because he's crazy. Uh, Will Smith immediately thinks he might be going insane, confronts Fred, the mannequin, grabs his gun, and then several times yells, tell me you're real or I'm going to shoot you, tell me you're real or I'm going to shoot you. He yeah. then shoots Fred. Starts having, like, basically a panic attack. Yeah. Right? Works his way over to Fred and then gets caught in a trap. Right. So he hits his head. He becomes inverted. He passes out. Uh, Sam is doing his good dog duty and just yelling and yelling and yelling. I guess barking because that's what dogs do. Yeah, he's yeah. barking. Yeah. Right. He's just, hey, hey, hey. wake up, Will. <laughs> <laughs> so his watch goes off, which wakes him up for some reason instead of the dog barking, and the sun is going down. He manages to cut himself down. Uh, Big Papa Zomp shows up with some dogs. Who Zombie are, dogs. Zompire dogs. Specifically zompire dogs, right? Dompires. He also, when he falls from the trap, stabs himself in the leg with That's his a good own point. Knife. Yeah, his, his knife blade breaks off into his right leg. Yeah. Uh, he crawls onto the other side of a thin beam of light, which the dogs run up and I guess like are just standing behind it like some sort of subway barrier, uh, <laughs> waiting to get at Will Smith. Yeah. That provides him with additional time so he can get to his car and grab his pistol. But in the ensuing fight, he manages to shoot one of the dogs, gets attacked by another one, and at the same time, Sam gets bitten. Uh, his yeah. sweet puppy dog. Yeah. It was at this point in the movie that we began fast-forwarding after he kills all the dogs, because we didn't watch any. We'll watch anything bad happen to our good buddy Sam. Yeah, so I, to spare Kenan, yeah, I will briefly describe what happens in the movie, but it's very sad. Okay, so, I'm going to plug my ears. Will Smith goes home, and he's la, 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 la. cradling Sam in his arms. 
And he goes into the lab and he grabs the latest serum that he was testing and injects Sam with it because he knows that he's momentarily going to turn into a zombie. Yeah. Or, sorry, zompire. Zompire. Uh, He injects Sam. He's, like, holding him in his arms and he notices that his pupils start dilating. His breathing starts getting faster. His hair starts to fall out. His hair starts to fall out. And he knows that, like, he's turning into a zombie. So Will Smith then breaks Sam's neck. La, 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 he, he breaks la, Sam. La, 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 la. He kills la. his dog. He breaks Sam's neck. His dog's dead. And he's crying the whole time. And it's honestly like one of the most moving scenes I've seen in yeah. any film ever. I, I can't speak for the other two, but I definitely cried. Well, I've mean, <laughs> seen the movie when before. When I first saw this movie in theaters, I was like, a broken wow, person. this is yeah. really, yeah, really sad. Yeah, my eyes were a little moistened. After Sam dies, uh, Will, this is when Will Smith takes a turn for the worst. Uh, he... Goes back to the red box, but it's an entire building, um, in order to rent another movie and talks to the mannequin that's in that store uh, because he says he promised Sam that he would talk to the mannequin the next day. You know, this idea. The attractive female mannequin. Right. And he's trying to, like, set up some sort of social structure for him. And then we see this point where he breaks down where he is begging the mannequin to say something to him. And he kind of recovers from that and then decides that he's going to go out on a mission of vengeance. He hops into a Range Rover that's covered in UV lights and then at night drives out to the dock where he normally sets up uh, and broadcasts telling people, hey, show up at noon, I'm here, I'm a survivor. Which we never mentioned. Which we never mentioned. <laughs> he, uh, during his day-to-day, he runs out of this dock uh, normally, before pre-SAM issues. Uh, he goes out of this dock and he broadcasts at noon every single day for one hour saying, like, I'm going to be here if you're out there, come and find me. But he goes out to this dock and he sets up a trap for these zompires uh, and manages to take a couple of them out before uh, Big Daddy Zomp, who is sending all of these like troops, like it's very, it seems, you know, calculated, coordinated, coordinated. Yeah, Papa Zomp, Papa Zomp, yeah, is sending his He's employees, sending his, his delivery, his delivery man, yeah, yeah, yeah his, his pizza delivery <laughs> out to kill Will Smith. Basically, they're all attacking him. It turns for the worse. Will Smith, uh, his car gets turned over. Uh, and he is saved by a mystery person with a bright, 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 presumably UV light, uh, who chases off the vampires and then takes him back to his place. Yep. Sorry, zompires, and takes him back to his place. We're going to sort of breeze through the rest of the... Yeah. Like, there's not that much left it's in the movie. not science in the movie. But there's not really much science. But, so, just remember for, like, Will has been by himself for over three years right. and now and he presumed that everybody was either infected or dead like he's never seen anybody else yeah and so, and no one's ever come to his radio signal which he's just like constantly broadcasting he always goes to the dock and waits no one's ever come right so now he like comes to and there's a woman and her son they're just like oh we heard your signal yep <laughs> and so he's obviously having trouble coming to grips with the situation that other people are still alive so he asked them like what they're doing and yeah. they say they're traveling to vermont because they heard there's a survival colony in vermont yeah and he anna, the i was sorry i was gonna say anna the woman at one point mentions that she was a on a red cross team out of sao paulo yeah uh on a ship that was supposed to evacuate basically off the coast and then stay there until whatever happened happened and then they could come back uh, but her and her maybe son or companion at this point, Ethan, uh, have made their way up to New York and, like Sean mentioned, are eventually going to try and make their way to Vermont to this mythical city. Right, and Will just doesn't believe her. He's like, there's no way that there's a survivor colony. Like, yeah. all the plans that everybody had 
just crumbled. Like, we had all these plans to try and contain this. Nothing worked. Everybody died. Like, forget yeah, about it. He starts so, rattling off numbers about, like, there was a 90% kill rate, only 1% immunity. That means, like, I guess he says, like, what, 12 million people were immune, but those people could have been killed by zompires. Yeah. yeah. Three he years. says that everybody's been yeah. killed. Everyone you know is dead. He also says, like, there's no God over and over again, which yeah. I feel like was unnecessary, but... I mean, like, he's probably pretty distraught, yeah, so, like... he's probably pretty messed up at this point. Anna does two things wrong in this movie. Uh, first one, she eventually leads the zompires back to his place, and they have a big fight, but that's not really important. The big problem is that Will Smith mentions Bob Marley to Anna. Yeah. Uh, he's starting to have, like, a human connection. Like, yeah, he's talking yeah. with her and stuff, and... She doesn't know who Bob Marley is. Yeah. And she's, like, maybe 30, and it's 2007... And she offers, oh, do you mean Damien Marley? Yeah, so she... So she should know who Bob so Marley she, she is. She literally imagined an, talking to a human being and saying, hey, have you listened to Bob Marley? And they go, no. Oh, you mean Damien Marley? I don't... So they know his son, yeah. but they don't know who Bob Marley is. I it's, mean, it's, I, I grew up under a rock, and I know who Bob Marley it's is. Like, it's like... The movie was, it was very much like the movie was just... They could have not done that scene, and then someone could have walked out into the movie and been like, millennials, right? <laughs> and then they had a jack-off symbol. Yeah. Like, and that was that was basically it. It's yes. literally the, I would say, it's the most unbelievable thing in the movie that someone could know who Damien Marley is and, and not, not know who Bob, Bob Marley, Marley is. Yep, that's so, the most unbelievable thing. And the reason he's talking about is because like, throughout the movie he will randomly like play Bob Marley and he listens to Bob Marley. He used to listen to it with Sam and stuff, yeah. so... You know, it's very sentimental to him, but anyways. The other dumb thing that she does, like I mentioned, is she leads the zompires back to his compound. Uh, there's this big drawn-out scene where Will Smith is, like, setting off the traps that he has outside his house. Yep. He tries to vaporize some of them with light. He tries to blow some of them up. Yeah, he has, like, C4 and stuff. Yeah, I, I, there's a scene where one of them gets inside and it bites on Will Smith's neck and is just, like, slinging him around like a rag doll just by chomping on his neck. Sean mentioned that, like, oh, the movie's over because Will Smith, Will Smith just died. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no way he would have survived this. Right. Uh, he does survive it somehow. He finds uh, Ethan and Anna upstairs. Uh, there's a zompire above them on the top floor ripping open a hole in the ceiling uh, in order to let more zompires in. He yep. dispatches that one, and then, then both of them make their way downstairs as the place becomes overrun by zompires. Right. Led by a Papa Zomp. Led by a big Papa Zomp and right. his pizza boys. He's yeah. like, he's like, you, you're the hundredth caller. You won. You've won. Supply of we're bringing all of these coming. free pizzas to your house. <laughs> so, let us in. So they go into the lab, right? And they barricade themselves behind, yep. like presumably, like a bulletproof glass. Basically, door, bulletproof glass. Something like that. It's very, very sturdy glass. Yeah. Right? And he's in there with the female zombie. Zompire. Zompire, sorry. Brenda the Zompire. Who's still anesthetized, just sitting on, like, an ice bath. Right. Which he earlier just passively mentions that it's to cool her body temperature to hope that the compound might work, work better. better. Yeah. I don't really know the rationale for that, but it's such, like, a minor thing that I don't think we even... I mean, we, it, we could easily say that, like, there's some alterations made to body temperature in which, like... Some things may work better. Some treatments may work better than others. That yeah. is a fact. It's definitely yeah. possible yeah. that it could happen. It just seems. I mean, it could be that the the CR compound number six just worked too fast and overwhelmed the the body too quickly for right. uh, for it to be effective. If it happens, if the changes that it happens to cure the body happen slower, sure. as in on ice, then maybe it worked better. But at this point, Will Smith 
notices that her breathing has slowed down a little bit because some time has passed since yep. he tried to treat Brenda and that she's regaining some of her like color that maybe she had Pigmentation. before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he goes, oh shit, this works. Yep. Yeah. And then there's this long drawn out scene where Will Smith like sees a butterfly in the cracked glass as Big yeah, Papa's the zombies office, are... like slamming himself against this glass uh, he sees, like, it flashes back to his daughter making a butterfly symbol with his with her hands, and then it cuts to a picture of Anna's neck where there's a butterfly tattoo, and then this was, like, a last-ditch effort from, I guess, the director to say, like, everything's connected and God's real, man, and then the movie ends when Will Smith pulls blood from, the, from Brenda, shoves it into Anna's hands, no ice, uh, shoves it into Anna's hands <laughs> and says, get into this chimney, I'll close the door behind you, and then takes one last look at a portrait of his wife and daughter, then pulls a grenade out from behind the same drawer where he got that portrait, and then blows him, uh, himself, uh, Big Papa Zomp, and all the pizza boys to hell with the biggest explosion I've ever seen out of one grenade ever. Yeah, unless there were just a lot of flammable substances in his maybe, lab. Maybe all the pizza boys are... Oh, there's all that grease on the pizza. That's it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what consumed them in flames. Go ahead, Sean. Do you have something to say? <laughs> just... Sorry, go ahead. You think the pizza grease? <laughs> yeah, well, they're all carrying pizzas. He, Will Smith won lifetime supply of pizzas. You already mentioned this because he was the hundredth caller. That's canon, yes. Yeah, and so all the pizza boys are bringing this pizza straight to Will's house uh-huh. in order to deliver it to uh, him. All checked out. Got it. Right. Got it. I watched the same movie as you did. Okay, I'm just making sure. Yeah. I just want to. I want to walk the listener through it. The grenade it goes sure off. Doesn't sound like you watched the same movie. All of the pizza <laughs> grease, which is flammable. Amplified the explosion. Yes, of a yes, grenade? of course. That's I mean, what you're saying. That's the only explanation for why this single grenade consumed an entire downstairs. Not definitely not Grenades because are pretty powerful. All right, yeah, anyways, but the, whatever. It's definitely not because he had like methanol or ethanol in his lap. I mean, he might have. Definitely Guys, not. I think you're underestimating the power of a grenade. I think he's in a basement and he blew up a grenade. I think yeah, it's gonna. But like... they don't. They go boom. They don't create the same sort of effect that Smaug does with his I face. S- I Smaug. <laughs> well, it was kind of like their star wipe. Like, yeah, that's like, true. Oh, star wipe. <laughs> true. Right. <laughs> Smash cut. Right. Because the next scene we see is Anna and Ethan. Chet, oh, is Ethan, Ethan. Uh, driving through presumably Vermont, and they come to the holy city where they're led into this area. How the hell did they get to Jerusalem? Well, they drove. Uh, It's Jerusalem, Vermont. Jerusalem, Vermont, where they're led into behind this gate, and they walk in, and then Anna, who's apparently been carrying this blood sample in her hands the entire time, hands it to uh, someone on the other side of the gate, and that's the signal to us that, like, the cure is alive. There's yeah. hope. Um, and the movie ends. And the, and the movie ends. <laughs> and I think the last thing that we can focus on as far as science goes is uh, how effective this cure might have been after Anna toted it across state lines in her hand. Right. So the thing is, I was think I thought about this a lot. Right? Okay. Let's if hear it. it's an organic, comp- like if it's an antibody from okay. his blood or something like that, which is a very strong chance that it's, it is, if it's, it's garbage, actual serum. It's gone. Yeah. If yeah. it's some organic biological thing, it's degraded probably. Yeah. If it's a synthetic compound, it may just be fine in the blood. Like it could have be very stable. If it's a synthetic compound. Yes. Yeah. It, it could, could just be, be stable, very stable at room temp, like yeah, just sitting yeah. there in the blood. Um. So I'm just gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. And based on what we saw in the movie, it's likely that it's a synthetic compound because it's purple. purple. That's true. (laughs) So so we'll say that that's probably okay. 
But that's how the movie ends. I'm okay with that. So, we've been watching a lot of movies. We all watch a lot of movies where zombies and vampires are frequent themes. So, I think it's important for us to keep a running tally of how we, at the Real Science Cast, scientifically define zombies and vampires. Which, as far as we know, don't exist in our world. (laughs) Well, as far as we know. That's why I preface that with, as far as we know. Yes. What do we think that we can gain from I Am Legend in regards to this... uh, so you're talking about, like, classifying these guys. I'm talking about to the best of our ability. Right. Classifying zombies and vampires as to what we know scientifically and maybe compare how different films portray them. Well, okay. Let me start off with zombies, right? Because we did just do Reanimator, right? So I think... We did. Zombies imply a state of undeath, right? So these... Yes. Things that have passed on and that have shed yes. the mortal coil. Right. Right? Right. So the zombies... I would agree. By definition have died and have been reanimated. Yes. Right? Yes. Whereas vampires, I think, fall into the category of undead, but have just transitioned into a state of being a vampire. They never, like, mortally died. Right, right, right. They didn't pass through the eye of the needle. Right. They, they haven't gone to meet their maker and then their corpse has been reanimated now, as a shell of what they I, were I'm just wondering how many more like death metaphors Kenny can come up with because these are pretty good. These yes. are very good. But... Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. In regards to the actual science of it, we always think of a zombie being more of like very, very basal level of instincts. Sure. Uh, animalistic. Animalistic. Just very crude enough in chasing what you need to survive, right? And we kind of get that vibe a little bit from the, they're called like Dark Seekers in this film. Right? Well, they're Zompires. Zompires. Dark Seekers? Yeah, that's what they're called. Really? That's what Anna calls them. Yeah. Yeah. And Dark so Seekers. I think you have some of those features with the with Dark the Zompires a little bit because they seem to be, uh, it's almost like kind of that mindless aspect of them. They don't speak. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. not sophisticated. They're very rabid. Right. Uh, almost kind of like a 28 Days Later version of like the, uh, the yeah, quote okay. unquote zombie, you know? Right. Aside, but they're not they're not undead, mm. right? And they're more almost more like vampires in this case because they are like they don't come out during the sunlight, right? That's like one of the primary features, right, right, and that's right. why I think we call them vampires because they have like these like classic features of both beings a little bit. I mean, they're definitely like not reanimated corpses, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like a huge aspect of being a zombie, I right? Think. Right, and like the fact that they also are transmitting their like disease or their state by biting biting is a very vampire-esque sort of thing but it's also also... a zombie sort of thing yeah zombie yeah true it's both of them it's both yeah it's that sort of like basal level instinct type thing right and therefore you're you're kind of thinking of if these two features uh were to exist in real life it would be transmitted probably through some sort of like uh bodily fluids saliva or blood or whatever so where it would that would be reasonable. And both of them apparently have an unslakable thirst for humans. Apparently. So I actually think if, you know, based, based on canonical understanding of zombies and vampires, these really do have a lot of the features of both. Yes. Hence, zombires. Hence, zombires. I mean, this, if you want to talk about actual scientifically, this makes more sense than like reanimated it does. corpses because Absolutely. it's like it does. a living person that yep. has now just been like behaviorally modified yep. and like physically modified to an extreme extent instead right, of exactly. someone that's just like oh you're walking even though your legs are broken that doesn't make any sense like, and, and in the movie they don't explicitly say like at least in the movie they don't explicitly say that these zombies feed on blood they don't exhibit hematophagy the feeding on blood whether human or otherwise right right 
I mean, right. they exhibit the like sensitivity to sunlight that we always have for vampires, but I mean, this is a thing that can occur in human be- beings. Like, yes, yes. There are lots of different things, whether in a disease state or not, that can cause human beings to be sensitive to sunlight. They don't right. melt like we see in this movie. Right. Like but what kind of thing? What can it? I mean, like, porphyria, I guess. Like, Well, there's also, like, what you can get uh, sunlight, ten- sunlight sensitivity just from taking a lot of antibiotics. Like, there's a wide range of things that could cause this. Porphyria, for instance, is uh, this uh, genetic disease that can occur. It can also occur as, uh, as a result of, like, hepatitis C or HIV infection. But where you get these compounds that are involved in making the metal binding elements of uh, what's in your blood uh, that build up in your skin. And then upon reaction to sunlight, these can cause the release of energy as these things are, you know, causing electrons to go up and down in in various states of energized. Right. But basically they release energy and this can cause damage to the surrounding tissue. So like just an example of something where like you have sunlight sensitivity. It's possible. Right. One last thing. I think that given their increased body temperature, it's fair to say they'd have brain damage to a certain extent. Yeah. Which would also give that sort of like zombie-like betrayal, especially if you had, uh, if you had, you know, damage of the, the more sophisticated areas of the brain that would make them seem more animalistic, right? So you, so you wanted to give give them classifications. I think reanimator, zombies. I am legend, zompires. So we got a hybrid class going yeah. on. And also, Pace, what you're saying about the brain damage would also make the state they're in irreversible. Exactly. Because if the brain yeah. damage is yeah. contributing to the behavior, I agree. there's no like way that just a compound, even if you get rid of the symptoms, the damage is already done. Yep. Right. So yep. there's no way they would regain their, their full intellectual capacities. And if they're incurring temperature based brain damage, they're also not going to develop the higher order functions that we're seeing them exhibit. Exactly. Specifically by Big Daddy Zomp, sorry, Papa Zomp. Yep. Uh, later on in the film, yeah. right? So these just aren't going to occur. I mean, if you really want to split hairs, if they're incurring brain damage, they're eventually just going to be dead. They're definitely not going to be able to <laughs> right. operate their GPSs in order to deliver Will Smith's lifetime supply of free pizza. Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> he should have got it in writing. Should have got it in writing. <laughs> Lastly, I think I think something the listeners will want to know about is, do they have to worry about this happening to them? No. I think it is a nice disclaimer to say, like, we work on gene therapy. This is totally infeasible. Like, yeah. This is way off the mark of, like, what could occur. Yeah. yeah. Um, with most things, most treatments or most medical things, it's so much more likely that something will just not do anything rather than give you some Cause something some like higher this. disease. Like, right. it's just yeah. not... It's, it's not... It's fake. It's fake news. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is that clinical trials don't typically occur on the scale of 10,000 people at once. And, not again, not that this would happen, but, like... You want it focused on a select number of individuals in order to get it passed well, first. Well, the, the way that the clinical trial will go, you have phase one clinical trial. Right. And that would be with, like, a very small number of people, like, less less than 100. You would also... And it would and it would happen in those... Sorry. And this this negative effect would happen in those people, and then they would stop testing the, yes. the, the treatment. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's just what would happen. And you would also monitor the individuals for a long time. Yep. Like, years. To yep. see if there are any side effects, yes. because that's what you do in clinical trials, is you yep. for side effects. And then even if approved by the FDA, you would have a limited number of people who are getting treatment with it initially, and then just, there'd be a laundry list of reasons why this would, there'd be a blockade for this thing. Yep. Right. Speaking of infeasible, uh, it is infeasible to me that we have been awake this long, so... I'm exhausted. If you guys are cool with it, I would like to rate this bad boy. Okay. Sean? 
Burr, 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 burr. Oh, oh, you want me to write? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, I also wanted you to do the rap siren, so. You're welcome. So we talked about a lot of different aspects, not just biological science, but we also talked about, like, you know, the psychological aspects of Wolfsmith being alone. So sure. I'm going to give the movie, I'd say, like, I'm going to give it a, in the middle, a three out of five. Yeah. Because I think that, like, the whole concept for this plague outbreak of, like, zompire disease is just not feasible. Yep. Um, but I think some of the facts they were dropping in the beginning about, like, just describing gene therapy was accurate. And some of the laboratory, like, testing procedures Will Smith is going through does seem very, like, scientifically systematic. I, that's why I'm going to kind of land in the middle and give it a 3 out of 5. Really he, nice he also had, like, pretty realistic effects of loneliness. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Maybe even a bump it to, like, a 3.5 out of okay, 5. Okay, okay. Kind of so, like a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I just don't want it to be in the middle. I want it to be a little above. The yeah, point, yeah, you I know? feel you. I feel you. So that's where I'm going to put the science of the movie. I've warmed up to your bullshit ratings. I mean, like... <laughs> okay, I guess it's a little hostile, but, you know. I'm tired. <laughs> as far as my enjoyment level, um, I would give it a five out of five. But that scene where he killed that dog was so unenjoyable, it's harrowing. <laughs> no, I'm I'm gonna give it a five out of five, maybe wow. four and a half out of five. Let's do that. A four and a half out of five, because I think honestly, like the ending of the movie sort of like leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. But watching like Will Smith as an actor just does such a good job a that good you job. are like emotionally with him through this entire journey like yeah. when he kills his dog you're like will smith just killed our dog like you're right, right. like this you feel it Sam. you know yeah. you're like man this is really rough so you he do. does such an incredible job of the movie it's like so great to watch i'd give it a four and a half out of five porky pig take us away hell <laughs> yes uh nope <laughs> damn it <laughs> so in regards to the science of the film there wasn't a whole lot of it, TBH, but I'm I'm gonna give it a three out of five. Sorry, Pace, real to quick. Be honest, yeah, I got yeah, it. I got yeah, it. I saw Sean like not understanding no. the modern Dude, world around. It took me so long to figure out what TLDR. Meant. Jesus wow. Christ! I had to Google what TLDR meant. Um, I mean, <laughs> I had to ask Jeeves it. Sorry. I think the 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 shining moments scientifically are, ironically, the initiating like factor that sets it all up and i think the most the the best parts are probably just kind of the small things like the the all the various vitals that would be changing in this sort of like zompire being and how that would result in such zompire itself but then it lacks in regards to oh if a if a zompire had these types of things it wouldn't be able to be cured yeah you yeah, know yeah uh so it, it falls short for all those things in regards to entertainment slash enjoyment i critically it's a good film yeah. Uh, and Will Smith does just a great job acting. But I don't like it because I don't like being depressed by films. That's fair. Um, so I'm actually just going to give it a two out of five because I'm not going to, I'm probably never going to watch it again, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because, I, I could see that being like a very like important factor in the movie. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not, it's a, it's a great film and it's, it's entertaining and it, you just didn't have fun with it's it. It's invested. I don't, I didn't enjoy watching it because I don't like, Invoking the feelings it invoked in me more than I need to invoke. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Does that yeah, make yeah, sense? Yeah, 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 I feel you. It's depressing AF, so. <laughs> 
Sean, I think you knew what that last one was, right? <laughs> I did. Okay. I didn't know what that meant. So as, as for me, uh, I don't need to say much more than you guys have already said. I think that the as far as the science goes, I'm actually probably going to give it a two out of five. Yeah. This is so weird. Normally, but, I'm the Simon. Yeah, normally you're just like dumping on the film, but... I, I, but for me, it's because there are a lot of aspects of the film that go unaddressed. And I I mean, you know, a movie, granted, probably does a good job by not addressing things that it can't quite explain. But I'm not going to give it a pass for that. So I'm going to take a couple points off. But what's feeding the two, what's giving it points, is the very beginning of the movie where it talks about, again, the initiating factor for all of this. Like, mm-hmm. there is science that lies within the use of an oncolytic viral therapy um, there just isn't any science at all in that oncolytic viral therapy going rogue yeah. and wiping out humanity in a zompire virus where everyone yep. gets free pizza at the end of it. So I'm going to give it a two out of five in that regard. As far as enjoyment goes, I'm going to give it a four out of five, and I'm going to fucking knock some points off for the dog scene because it was very, <laughs> very, very sad. But Will Smith does a very good job of conveying the type of, type of emotion that he does a really good job. Yeah, would would, would be you know involved in something like this. Yeah. So, we've been awake for very, very long, so I want to jump directly into some listener questions. Oh, my God. Let's do it. Pace, do we have anything? Did you we, check our mailbox for us? We got a... Uh, mail that, noise, mail sorry, noise, mail sorry, noise. is that your mailbox? Okay. Mail noise, mail noise, mail noise. You we did get a, mail. We did get a question uh, from a Mr. Brett Looney oh, from shit. Gainesville, Florida. Uh, thank you, Brett, for your question. For the podcast, Brett asks, the most obvious question is... Why was Neville, Will Smith, immune to the virus uh, and seemingly the only human that is immune to the virus? Uh, Also, would it be actually possible to transfer his immunity through the blood? Well, so I think the latter part of that would be a little bit easier to answer just right off the bat. So we have talked about how you can actually take uh, serum, like actual serum, uh, and specifically the antibody portion Uh, of serum and you can treat people who may have a disease or may be about to contract a disease right because those antibodies can perform the same type of functions that that person's normal immune system should be able to do yes so as far as transfer goes the simple answer would be to use an antibody-based therapy otherwise will smith would have to isolate some sort of specific component of his special immune system that is then able to treat these symptoms and thus the disease in another organism. And at that point, it's really not transferring an immunity. It's just developing a treatment. Right. right? And, so, it's, and it's tough to really tough to say if, if it's not an antibody, right. What that could possibly could be, be doing. if it's yeah. an, if it's inherent to him, which right. I guess goes into the first question is, you know, what is it about Neville that makes him immune? And to answer that, you, you kind of have to, you have to assume there's thing, some aspect of his immunity. The thing that I would guess is that he is that's a very very small subset of the population, yeah. less than one percent. That I'm going to guess have just a very very unique allele for uh, a particular immune system factor um, that is specifically able to combat this virus. Right. right? I it, mean, it could also just be a cellular receptor. Like, yeah. so that the virus doesn't actually infect the host cells. Yeah, but sure. Right, you can have is, a mutation in a cellular receptor that pre- prevents it from actually working. Right. Yeah. The thing is, this virus doesn't actually behave like a virus because it causes, like, global, whole body, like, crazy physiological yeah. changes that are persistent after the viral infection. Right, right. Which, like, is not how viruses work. Like, if viruses keep amplifying and growing and growing and, like, getting 
don't know, spreading more and more you just in get your body. Sicker and sicker you and just you die. die. And you yeah. die. So you don't like, persist. Yeah, you get right. symptoms like Ebola, where eventually you turn into a bag of soup like, because yeah. all of your cells right. are dying. Like even viruses that will, you know, stay latent in your body, they go through phases of like outbreaks and latency and outbreaks and latency because right. if it was just constantly in an outbreak all the time, you would just like die. Sure. So and if it was constantly latent, you would have no symptoms. Right. So thanks for the question, Brett. Yeah, thank yes, you very much, Brett. And do we have any other? The things? only other thing we got was a tweet from Lunchbox uh, at Lunchbox six hundred one on Twitter, and he said, "Why did the dog have to die?" And dude, I don't know. I can agree with you, dude. I have hey, no idea. There's no good answer. If you figure it out, you tell me. Because they had to push Will to the breaking point. Yeah, yeah, they had to make Will sad. Uh, if you want to review us, that would be great because that lets us climb that ladder. So you can hop onto iTunes or on a Stitcher and leave us a five-star rating and review. If you didn't like the cast, tell us why and we'll try to make it better. You can email us at realsciencecast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at realsciencecast or you can go to our Facebook page, with it, which is Real Science Cast, I think. <laughs> I it's Real Science Cast okay. on Facebook. It is. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on the internet at LOLKennan on Twitter, on Battle.net, on LiveJournal, on Zanga. Uh, Sean, where can we find you? Still can't find me. Stop asking. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Uh, we also have a Facebook. If you contact us on the Facebook, maybe Sean will talk to you. Oh, he will. What about talk you, to you, Mr. Pace? You find me at Michael C. Pace on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pace on Battle.net, playing some World of Warcraft. Hell yeah. And most importantly, the movie that we will be watching next week, uh, so two weeks from now, we're going to be watching Memento. Yes, which I think will be very fun. We'll talk about memory, and yeah. we'll figure out how to accurately describe the plot of a movie that is presented in reverse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. And Pace will finally be able to use a psychology degree. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna get that. That uh, I can't even say it. I can't, we're done. Yep. Uh, also, thank you to Otis McDonald for letting us use his great, great music. Hell yeah, for our intro and outro. And thank you for all of the people that have subscribed to our Patreon. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. And we did promise that I would scream your names uh, on the internet by doing that. So we've got Trevor Smith, uh, Bartholomew Hoffman. Justin Waterfield and Mike Uppace, you contributed a dollar to our podcast. Yeah, I did. So here's the thing. If you keep doing that great voice, Kenan, people are going to stop contributing. Trevor Smith, Bartholomew Hoffman, oh, wow. and Justin Waterfield. Take my money. Thank all of you. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. You don't need good science to make a good movie. Stay classy. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs>